This is an Odyssey original. This is Coronavirus Daily. I'm Charles Feldman. I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. COVID vaccine booster shot efforts, it needs a boost. Number of shots going into arms for Americans has slowed considerably in recent weeks. Public health officials thinking about what they can do to kickstart the effort. Also today, we're looking at why some pharmacies are telling immunocompromised people they can't get a fourth shot, even though the CDC has said they can. The CDC says just 40 percent of fully vaccinated Americans have received a booster dose. Dr. John Schwartzberg is clinical professor emeritus over at uh, UC Berkeley School of Public Health. Doctor, is this yet another case of bad public messaging? I think you're right. I think I think our messaging could have been better and should be better. And I think there's too much misinformation and disinformation about the vaccines. And that compounds the problem as well. So was it the debate among people whether they were needed that was the problem initially? Because there were a lot of doctors at the outset saying before, you know, Delta and Omicron, all this came around, who were saying, yeah, I don't know if these are actually needed. And then what is it? Is that the problem? Or is it that we say booster and not third dose? Like, hey, we're turning these from two into three. You actually have to complete the series combination of. Yeah, I think all of those are, are valid. You know, I've, I've spent my entire career um, with the scientific process, and it's one that I'm really used to. And what it's like is that we read articles or we do research and we find something that indicates something and then that gets refuted or at least modified. And it's a very slow and arduous process where we take about three steps forward and then we take a couple steps back and so on. And, you know, I'm very used to that, um, but our society's not used to that. That's not really the process by which people are living their day-by-day lives. And so with the CDC, for example, Um, As new information comes, new advice is given, and what the public sees is, well, hey, that wasn't the advice you told us about three months ago. And that's been the process since the beginning of this pandemic, and it's been seen in spades with um, the advice about vaccination. You know, originally it was one dose, and then another one three to four weeks, and that should be fine. And then we learned, well, the immunity to those two doses fades and that we need a booster. At least some of us need a booster, then all of us needed a booster. And then the question would be, how long is that booster going to last? So it's been, a, it's been really tough for everybody because as our knowledge expands, um, our advice changes, but that leads, to, uh, that leads to confusing the public. And unfortunately, a lot of people for very nefarious reasons, reasons take advantage of that confusion and lend more confusion by the misinformation they promulgate. Well, there's a, the, I, I think you're right, but there's also, I think, the sense that a lot of the public has, rightly or wrongly, that that politics is getting involved in what should be an otherwise purely scientific equation. And let's take the CDC with whether you need to have a, a booster or, as Mike pointed out before, just call it a it's a three dose, maybe at some point a four dose vaccine. We have other vaccines that require two, three, I think even four doses. And there's no hesitation at all about saying that that's what's required, three, four doses. And yet there's this sense, I think, 
that the CDC is kind of being a little gun shy about this because they're they're cognizant of the politics in the nation and they don't want to go out on a limb and say, yeah, you know what, you really need to have three of these things. Yeah, I think that's also an, an excellent point. The CDC has um, been more reactive than proactive, unfortunately. And I think that that um, is a stance that, that really needs to change. And I think that would that would help if it was the case. But I also recognize that there's no such thing as just pure science. There's no such thing as pure anything. Politics gets insinuated in just about everything. I think one of the great tragedies of this pandemic from the American perspective has been that um, this pandemic has been politicized in every conceivable way it could be. Um, the idea that masks are political is, I mean, I think it's not going to be too long in the future when we're going to look back and say, that's the epitome of idiocy. Um, so I think that um, the politicization of, of all of the issues, including the vaccine, um, is absurd on its face and just tragic in the consequences. Dr. John Schwartzberg, clinical professor emeritus, UC Berkeley's School of Public Health. Doctor, thanks. Some people who are immunocompromised have been walking away pretty angry from pharmacies lately, saying pharmacists have said no when they show up to get a fourth COVID shot. CDC says that's okay for the fourth one for the immunocompromised, but it seems a lot of pharmacies have not gotten the message. With us is Dr. Richard Dang, president of the California Pharmacists Association, and Dr. Michael Hogue, dean of the School of Pharmacy at Loma Linda University, former president of the American Pharmacists Association. First question to you, Dr. Dang, why is this seeming confusion, why is it there among pharmacists when it comes to giving out those fourth vaccine doses? Yeah, so I, I think uh, when you look at the CDC guidelines, it is clear that individuals who are immunocompromised should be receiving a fourth dose as a part of their booster series. However, I think that the CDC guidelines could be a little bit confusing for both pharmacies and consumers alike, because the recommendations do differ depending on which brand of vaccine you receive, whether it's Moderna, Pfizer, or Johnson & Johnson. And there's also potentially some confusion with patients regarding what is defined as immunocompromised conditions. Dr. Hogue, uh, do you think it's because the pharmacies that are not giving the fourth shot to those who say they're immunocompromised, is it because they're afraid of some sort of liability? Because there's certainly no shortage of COVID vaccines, not anymore. We're, we're practically being flooded with them around the country because not enough people are unfortunately getting vaccinated or getting booster shots. So what, what's the reason they would care? Yeah, I don't think pharmacists are in, uh, intentionally withholding it. I think it's just a case of uh, information is coming so rapidly uh, that uh, frankly, many pharmacists have just not been able to keep up to date. I mean, the reality that we're facing right now uh, that I think everyone has to recognize and, and, and have some patience with is the fact that we have severe staffing shortages in community pharmacies around the country, um, shortages of pharmacy technicians and pharmacists, and it's getting quite severe. And in addition to that, you know, the, the ACIP, the CDC's uh, uh, committee that meets and makes recommendations on um, immunizations has met three times more often in the last year than they normally meet in a year, has put out uh, probably four to five times more recommendations than ever before. 
and the volume of information that's coming out uh, and and when you're in a in a shortage situation in terms of personnel it makes it very difficult to keep up so no excuses but it's understandable certainly why this is happening Dr. Dang, you mentioned something which is, you know, someone coming in and saying, and, and there's a lot of attestation going on, but when it comes to, you know, being immunocompromised, is there actually any concrete definition list that's gone out? Because it could either be, you know, medical conditions or you're on immunosuppressing drugs. Uh, it can vary widely. Absolutely. The CDC does define uh, individuals who are considered to be immunocompromised for this purpose. And that would primarily be, like you mentioned, individuals who might be taking certain medications, individuals who received transplants before, who have active uh, HIV infection or other uh, rare uh, conditions. What I found sometimes speaking with individuals is they think they have immunocompromised conditions because they have conditions like diabetes or high blood pressure, but that's actually not the case for that definition. Dr. Hoag, what's the solution? And you kind of touched on it, I think both of you did, about messaging. But does more need to be done so that pharmacists, for whatever the reason they're not doing it, those who aren't, uh, just kind of all are on the same page? Well, sure, absolutely. I mean, I can tell you that the American Pharmacists Association and the California Pharmacists Association have uh, done tremendous work to try to keep our members informed and pharmacists aware of what's going on and what the latest changes are in practice. We keep uh, sending that messaging out. Um, we do believe that uh, CDC um, can make their messaging clear uh, when new recommendations come out. Sometimes things get buried on the CDC's website and are not real easy to find. So, you know, there's probably an opportunity for more clear and uh, upfront communication when we have changes like this happen. But uh, we're all learning during this pandemic that uh, when we think we've communicated well enough, sometimes it's not well enough and we have to communicate even more. So there's always opportunities for improvement. And what I would just really encourage your listeners to do is that if they have a question, ask the pharmacist, just make sure that you have those conversations with your pharmacist uh, and um, uh, they'll they'll do the best they can to make sure that they're protecting you. Dr. Dang, you got to feel for these people who come in, too, and we've heard some of these stories, and there's been reports on them. I mean, you're trying to be as safe as you can because, obviously, you're in more danger than, than somebody else who, who has a vaccine where it works better for them. I mean, these are not people who should be making multiple trips out to the pharmacies if they're crowded anyways. Absolutely. We want to try to minimize unnecessary trips, but we also want to try to minimize any unnecessary uh, vaccinations for individuals who don't need it. You know, as a pharmacist, my goal is always to give you the right amount of medications, or in this case, vaccine uh, that you need and not to give you more to expose you to any potential unnecessary side effects that may result from that. Let me uh, shift for a minute uh, away from vaccines to these antiviral pills, if I can, because they were announced with, with great fanfare, first the Merck one and then the Pfizer one, which is supposedly a lot better. Uh, and a lot of people, we've had experts on the show saying that these were going to be game changes, but um, changers. But we've also had lots of doctors on the show uh, saying that their patients can't get them. What is the situation with these these pills? Either one of you gentlemen, who, whoever wants to tackle that one. Well, I, I'm happy to speak uh, to, to this from a national perspective. Um, it's Dr. Hope. Wanna... Yes, go ahead. Yeah, so one of the one of the frustrations that we've had at the national level with these is that um, 
Uh, unlike the injectable monoclonal antibodies uh, that, you know, when those were released to the market and COVID testing was released to the market and the COVID vaccine was released to the market, the Department of Health and Human Services immediately authorized pharmacists to be able to prescribe those agents and to be able to administer those agents. For some reason, when the oral uh, therapeutics to treat COVID came out, uh, HHS did not take the same action with the oral therapeutics and did not authorize pharmacists to prescribe those to make those more readily available in local communities. So we have two problems. We have a supply issue in that the manufacturers are not producing enough of the uh, antiviral, the oral antivirals to supply the need that's out there in the community. And then secondly, uh, the Department of Health and Human Services has not um, uh, given the same authority to pharmacists for these oral antivirals to prescribe them. And so that makes an additional hurdle that patients have to jump through to even find where these might be available. So is it just a hospital thing at this point? Well, or or some doctors? Yeah, I think it depends on the community where you live and the state that you live in. Of course, uh, here in Southern California, uh, the medication may be shipped to a pharmacy, but you probably have to go to an emergency department or an urgent care uh, or a physician's office to get it prescribed. It's an extra step in the process. It's largely unnecessary. So is, is that being remedied? I mean, is, is a solution in the works or is everybody just kind of thrown up their their hands and go, okay, that's the way it is? Well, the American Pharmacists Association is meeting regularly with Food and Drug Administration officials to try to uh, get this resolved. And, and um, it's definitely a problem that does not yet have a solution, but we're working on it. Dr. Michael Hogue there, Dean of the School of Pharmacy at Loma Linda University, former president of the American Pharmacists Association. Also, Dr. Richard Dang, president of the California Pharmacists Association. Thanks to you both. We end today's Coronavirus Daily with a look at Omicron and its allegedly milder symptoms. New CDC research backs up the idea that the Omicron COVID variant has been producing less severe illnesses in infected people. Omicron patients saw shorter stays in hospitals and fewer admissions into intensive care units during this spike in cases. Researchers say some of that is related to higher immunity levels in the population from either vaccines or previous infections. Also, it appears as if Omicron is not penetrating as deeply into people's lungs as previous variants. That pattern notwithstanding, since the virus spread from person to person with frightening speed over such huge geographic areas, COVID deaths have reached their highest levels since last winter's surge. So do not be lulled into a false sense of security when people say Omicron sicknesses are mild because, well, it's still a killer variant. This is an Odyssey original. You can find us and others on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Thank you.